Luke chapter number 10. I'm just going to read two verses. We're going to track back through the book of Luke tonight, be in many places, see a lot of different things. Uh, But we're still preaching on this subject, building a kingdom focus, more specifically tonight, attitudes that hinder and God will not honor. And so we're going to see that in... Uh, primarily in Luke 9, pressing into these first two verses of Luke chapter number 10. Notice what the Bible says. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He Himself was about to go. Somebody say, God is on the move. He's on the move. Verse number 2, Then He said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. With heads bowed, eyes closed, we're praying, asking for God's help tonight as we preach on that subject. Attitudes that hinder and God will not honor. Our Father, we thank You for being so good to us. God, we thank You for the privilege now of being in Your house. Again, God, to preach the Word of God. Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to stand here tonight and proclaim Your Word. God, I thank You for that privilege. Now, God, I pray that as, God, the words flow from my mouth tonight, that they'll come from the heart that seeks after God. Lord, I pray that everything that's said and done here tonight will bring You honor and glory. God, I pray that You will use me tonight as a vessel of honor. God, I'm so unworthy in my flesh, but God, You saved me. God, You've been so good to me. You've helped me. You've given me gifts. And God, You've put me in this place. And so, God, I pray now that you would use me for your glory tonight to help your people. God, these are your people. God, they belong to you. It's your kingdom. God, we're all in it. So, God, I pray that you'd build in us a kingdom focus. God, one that searches out the souls, uh, God, that are lost to invite them to come be a part of the family of God. Lord, if there's one here tonight who's lost, I pray that they'll indeed receive that invitation tonight. Accept Christ as Lord, repent of their sin, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so that they might be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Notice again, Luke chapter number 10, verse 1 says, After these things. What things? Well, collectively, we're talking primarily about the uh, chapters 4 through 9 of the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 3, Jesus uh, was baptized. Luke chapter number 4, He is led into the wilderness by that same Spirit that has just rested on Him from heaven. Uh, There in the wilderness, He is tempted by Satan for 40 days. And when He comes out, He begins His uh, work in Galilee. Uh, Luke, the writer, giving us an orderly account, gives us many details uh, that point to the mountains of ministry that begin to take place. In chapter number 6, Luke gives us what many scholars call uh, the Sermon on the Plain. It contains those same timeless truths of the Sermon on the Mount and, and, and it is definitely, without a doubt, a different sermon on a different day in a different place. Uh, but how many of you know tonight that God can take the same word today, use it in another place tomorrow, and it still have the same effect for the glory of God? And so we see that taking place with the Lord Jesus in that uh, chapter number 6. And then moving into chapter 7, we find the Lord Jesus heals a centurion's servant. He raises the widow of Nain's dead son. And uh, just after that, the Lord is then questioned by two of uh, John the Baptist's disciples as to whether or not He is the coming one. 
Luke 7, 22, the Lord Jesus responds. He says, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's the response to the Lord Jesus. And so here, of the Lord Jesus to John, so here's kind of the way I interpret that. Don't worry, John, it's me. Just don't lose your focus. Just stay focused. And so, church, remember, we're building a kingdom focus. Uh, Then as uh, Luke tells us of a sinful woman who is forgiven, beginning in chapter number 8 of how the Lord is ministered to by a group of women, he gives a few parables, the purpose of them, and he sets a demon-possessed man free. He's doing all this ministry. all the, He resurrects a little dead girl as we're pressing closer to this chapter. And he heals a woman who had a, a never-ending, what she thought was a never-ending sickness. He then commissions the twelve, fed five thousand, is transfigured on the mount, and predicted his death at least twice. Now, after these things collectively... But notice some things more specifically. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke 8, 1 there, and you'll see that Luke chapter 8, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, that's the Lord Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Now look at Luke 9, 1. Luke chapter 9 verse number 1 says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Luke 9 6 says, So they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Mark 6 12 says specifically related to this text that they went out and preach that people should repent. That's still the message today, by the way. Uh, In Acts 17.30, Paul, as he is standing before the wise of the world in Athens, he proclaims boldly that God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. I want you to know this week in Honduras, our men uh, did that very same thing. They commanded, told them that God had commanded that all men everywhere repent. Some did, some did not. But we still were faithful to the call of God. Jesus said in Mark 1.15, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Church, I want you to know, when you talk to the lost man, you need to let him know that there is a kingdom that's coming. He cannot go like he is. He must repent and believe in the gospel. And so in Luke 9.1, Jesus sends out the twelve. In 8, 1, he himself goes. He's given those 12 power and authority. And then in Luke 10, 1, he sends out, he appoints 70 others also. Do you see a trend here? Yes or no? Okay, thank you. Now just after the Lord sends out the 12 in Luke chapter 9, verse number 1 and through 6, he then tells us, Luke tells us of the feeding of the 5,000. Stay with me here. We're approaching the meat of our message, so stay, stay close. We're giving specifics, right? Luke specifically tells us in Luke 9, verse 28, look at it there with me, about eight days after these sayings. You see that? Eight days after all of what's been mentioned there prior to this, the Lord Jesus takes Peter, John, and James up on the mountain 
to pray. Do you see that? There the Lord was transfigured before them. It seems that they spent the night there, and the next day, after they'd come down from the mountain, Jesus is met almost immediately by a man with a demon-possessed son. The man had sought the disciples, the remaining nine it seems, but they could not help him. Uh, uh, and in response to, uh, to this, Luke 9.41 records the words of Jesus. He says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. He says that to, my, to this man. Up to this point, preparing for this sermon, I'd always found that uh, an awkward response to the inability of the other nine disciples. I, in my mind, I just felt that the Lord was a little harsh on them. You know, I mean, I, I'm just being honest. I'm thinking, good night. I wonder what he'd say to me, you know. Uh, but what Luke records after this and leading up to our text gives us a little insight as to perhaps maybe why these were unable to help this man out. It certainly seems to me that these had no kingdom focus. Now church, we can have all the answers and even possess the power. They had it. Uh, Luke 9 is plain. Jesus gave them power and authority over all demons and sickness. And so we can have that power and authority, but if we lose our focus, we'll not be able to do a single thing to help anybody when they need it most. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now look at verses 43 and 45 in Luke 9. The Bible says that they were all amazed at the majesty of God, but while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, He said to His disciples, Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was hidden from them, so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. It was hidden from them and they could not perceive it. I mean, they just couldn't grab hold of what the Lord Jesus was saying. Why? Well, as we begin to see in just a moment, as I've already stated, they did not have a kingdom focus. So let me remind you again that none of us can see unless the Lord Jesus shows us. But until we choose to focus on that which is important to Him... Friend, He'll not show us. You say, what do you mean? Well, notice first here in verse 44. Jesus is talking about His death in verse 44. Now look at verse 46. Jesus talking about His death and the disciples begin to have a dispute about who is the greatest. I'm no scholar, but it certainly seems to me that the other nine had a spirit of jealousy rise up in them, uh, influenced by a heart full of pride because the Lord Jesus did something for Peter, James, and John that He had not done for them. Jesus, You took them up on the mountain. Why didn't You take me? Jesus, You did that for them. Why didn't You do that for me? Jesus, I, I want to be the greatest in Your kingdom. Notice verse 47. The Bible says, Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart. He took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives him who sent me, whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And look at what he says. For he who is least among you all will be great. Hillcrest, I want you to know tonight, 
It's not about your position in the church. It's about the submission in your heart. That is what will make you great in the Lord's kingdom. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then make yourself the least. Consider yourself a slave unto righteousness and simply serve the Lord. Amen? Matthew 10, 24, Jesus said, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Church, if Jesus came to seek and to save and to serve, then don't you think we ought to be about our Father's business doing the very same thing? That's what he's telling us right here. Secondly, notice not only the dispute, but as we go into verse number 49 and 50, we see a division. Division. John, the one who had just been on the mountain with the Lord, he says, Master, we saw someone casting out devils in your name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. Now remember, verse 46, it was about position. Right? In verse 49... It's about popularity. Who's the best? Lord, I saw them old boys from First Baptist Church of Nazareth over there casting out devils, and I told them they needed to quit. We're the only ones that can do that kind of work. Don't they know we're with you? Don't you know that what, Jesus, what was wrong with them? How could they think that they could do that kind of thing without you? Now I realize the Lord Jesus, He doesn't, He doesn't hammer on John right here. He doesn't doesn't shoot a flame out the end of his finger and fry him up. Notice what he does. Look at what he says. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him. For he who is not against us is on our side. Hillcrest, can I say to you tonight, we don't get to pick and choose who God will use. We don't. Only if we'll let Him use us. That's all we get to do. We don't get to pick and choose who God will use. And so I want to give you a gut check tonight. If God chooses to use another church to bring revival to Lebanon, Tennessee, do you still want it? I do. If God chooses to use somebody other than Hillcrest Baptist Church to do the work of God for the glory of God in this community, do you still want it? Friend, I want it more than I want my next breath and I just want to get in on it if He chooses to do it with whoever He chooses to do it with. That needs to be our attitude. If we'll be the least, friend, He'll make us great. That's what He'll do. And so I don't care who He uses, I just want Him to use me to get in on what God wants to do. Jesus said, don't forbid them. He who's not against us is for us. So we don't get to pick and choose who God will use, but thanks be unto God if we'll get our heart right and we'll get our attitude right and we'll get our mind right, we'll begin to have a kingdom focus. God can and will use us all. He will. Leonard Ravenhill once said this, If thou canst do something with us and through us, then please God do something without us bypass us and take up a people who now know thee not. I've told you before, and I'll tell you probably many times again, to whom much is given, much is required. If we don't choose to get together around the things of God, church, with each other, I'm not talking, I'm not talking outside the walls right now, I'm talking inside the walls. If we don't set our common goals around souls, friend, he who has much is required of much. But we better be careful because what we have can be taken in just a moment. 
Church, we cannot have the attitude that we cannot handle anymore. Brother Mike talked about that this morning. I, I told Brother Mike when he comes down from the podium this morning, I said, Brother, you preached part of my sermon. You know what that tells me? That God's got a word for you. Listen to me. We cannot have that attitude that says, I can't handle any more in a one. I can't handle any more upstairs. I can't handle any more over here. Hey, if you got that attitude, God will take them somewhere else. We don't want that because we know what we can give them here. We've been fed the best, friend, and we can give the best if we'll just simply do it. We've got to get together around the things of God and be about our Father's business. So we see the disciples, their focus on position and popularity. But thirdly, notice in verses 51 through 55, it, come, it becomes about power for them. Now, friend, we're talking about attitudes that God will not honor. God will not honor an attitude that seeks out position above it, everything else. He will not honor an attitude that wants to promote self to popularity. He will not honor an attitude that's all about power. God will not do that. James and John here in verses 51 through 55 are ready to call down fire out of heaven in judgment on a Samaritan village because they rejected Jesus. Now, I don't like it when people reject Jesus. It makes me angry. It really does. I'm just being honest. I want everybody to receive Christ the way I do or, 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 or just embrace Him because I, I believe He's all the Bible says He is. He is Lord. He's King. He is everything and much, much more than we could ever describe. And when people do not receive Him, it, it really bothers me because I know what they're missing. And, and John, I cannot say that I would have been any different than James and John. But notice what Jesus does. He speaks to, he speaks to them. He rebukes them. And look at what He says. You do not know what manner of spirit you are. He said, I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Amen. Amen. The last few weeks, Brother Mike, he doesn't even really know it, but he's helped me tremendously. He's been teaching in Sunday school about giving, speaking life. Speaking life. I don't know all the details. I just know what he and I have talked about. But church, you've got a tremendous opportunity. Every one of you on a daily basis. When you encounter the sinful of the world, the ungodly, you can do one of two things. You can speak life or you can pick up stones and begin to throw them. I've done both and you have too. But we need to remember that the Scripture says, Judge not lest you be judged also. You say, well now Brother Shane, we're supposed to judge everything whether it be spiritual or not. Yes, we are. But listen to me, you nor I nor anyone else in this body of Christ has the authority to condemn anyone. But thank God we can rush them into the arms of the Savior and they can embrace the sweet salvation that you and I have already tasted of. That's what a kingdom focus looks like. Notice what Jesus does. He just goes to another city. That's what He does. That's what it says. Verse 56. And they went to another village. He didn't get mad. He just goes to another place offering that same sweet grace. After all of that, the Lord Jesus addresses the cost of discipleship in verses 57 through 62. 
as we're moving closer to where He sends out these 70 others also. You say, why in the world would Jesus do that? Because He's trying to build a kingdom focus in these 12 and these other 70 that He's about to appoint. And so we, three things that He addresses there uh, in, this, in these verses as we approach chapter number 10. These are not new things. That you, you, you've heard every one of these things that I'm about to say from our pastor. In verses 57 through 58, Jesus addresses the issue of comfort. The radical nature of discipleship. No security. Look at what He says. He says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Now church, I want to be quite honest with you. If if your own personal comfort is preventing you from serving the Lord, uh, then friend, you need to get on your face and repent before God tonight. Personal comfort. The last time I checked, the Lord Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. There's nothing comfortable about a cross. Now granted, we all realize tonight that we're not going to go out here and strap a beam across our back. But friend, the Lord is calling us to a life of service. A life of service. A life of putting others before us. He said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, like unto the first, to love our neighbor as our Savior. Jesus came to seek, save, and serve. If we're going to be like the Lord Jesus, then we're going to have to sacrifice a little comfort in an effort to win the lost. Secondly, notice there is catastrophe in verses 59 and 60. The what ifs of life. The what ifs. This man... Jesus speaking to, He says, follow me. What an invitation. What an invitation from the Lord unto an individual. Follow me. By the way, that's what the invitation's all about. Follow me. Follow me. This man says unto the Lord, let me first go, verse 59, and bury my father. Some scholars believe that this man's father was not even dead at this time. He was just simply postponing this invitation. And so here's what we need to realize, friend. We don't get to pick and choose when and what. Life is but a vapor. Opportunity will expire. Serve the Lord today. Today. Don't let the devil use the what ifs in life to prevent what will be if you'll simply say yes to the Lord. So we see catastrophe, but notice there is competition also. Verses 61 through 62. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But, but let me first. Mm. Well, those words right there, they tell it all, don't they? But, let me first. Something else had priority, didn't it? But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my Father's house. How many people today should be serving the Lord, but they are not because of their own family? Putting those of their own house before the Lord. Friend, I want to be tender right here because I don't want to hurt you. Listen to what I'm going to say. We have this attitude, oh, I'll serve the Lord when my kids get grown. But right now, 
We got travel ball. We got vacation. We got all these things. There's nothing wrong with ball when it's in its own place. There's nothing wrong with vacation when it's in the right order. But if those things are hindering your presence from the people of God, and if they are hindering your walk with God, friend, you are giving them priority in your life, and Jesus is dishonored by that. The bottom line is that if we're going to walk with Jesus, friend, it's demanding at times. But it is not about what I have to do. It's all about what I get to do with the King. Luke 14, 33, the Lord Jesus said, Likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now notice, we're back at chapter number 10, verse number 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Notice who did the appointing here. It is the Lord Jesus appointing, not the disciples. Now, don't you think that kind of ruffled their feathers a little bit? I mean, here they are. They're the the twelve. And they've been doing the work of the Lord. But they've got their focus all messed up. They've not been focused on the kingdom. They've they've had an attitude of of popularity and about power and focused on uh, other things as far as their position is concerned. And then the Lord says, okay, I'm, I'm going to send out 70 others also. Jesus wanted them to know that He had other sheep that were not of that fold. Amen? Friend, there are other sheep in this community that are not of this fold. There are other sheep all over the world that are not of this fold. And they are just as much in the body of Christ as we are. And we ought to embrace them and love them and support them and help them. Jesus appoints these same, these 70 others also. He gives them the same power and authority that He has given the 12. In chapter number 9, He gave His disciples power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Church, I want you to know tonight, the Lord Jesus is still appointing people to do His work. He'll give you and I the same power and authority that He gave these disciples. You say, Brother Shane, I can't, I can't heal anybody. I can't heal the sick. Well, James says you can. He says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, friend, not everybody's going to get healed. We know that. But if it's in the will of God and God puts it on your heart to go pray for that person and to pray over them, listen, God can use you as an instrument to bring healing in that person's life. He can. I can't explain when, why, and how. I just know what the Bible says. And if we're going to believe it, we need to believe it all. And take it and stand on it. You say, Brother Shane, I can't raise the dead. Maybe not physically. But I'll tell you this much. Every time a lost sinner prays to receive Christ, there is a resurrection that takes place deep down in the soul. In fact, they've been buried with Christ in baptism through His death and they are raised to walk in newness of life. Friend, every time somebody repents and is born again, Ezekiel says that God takes that heart of stone out of them. He gives them a new heart of flesh. They become that new creation in Christ and they are all things have become new in their life. When we were in Honduras, Thursday, Friday, I don't even know what day it was, to be quite honest. I, I believe it was Friday we walked down to a community that had no electricity. They're still building homes in that community. 
out of mud bricks. We went into the first home. They were Christians there. A woman had a sick daughter in the hospital on dialysis. Husband was not there. He was with the daughter. We go to the next home. There are two women and a little child present. Neither of those are Christians. Brother Scott Ogle begins to talk to the mother. She prays to receive Christ. The teenager in the home is hesitant. We begin to talk. She prays to receive Christ. We leave that home. We go to another home. And as we walk up on the porch, there's a man there with one leg out in the middle of nowhere. How in the world does he get anywhere? And we begin to talk to him about the Lord Jesus. And I ask him if he's ready to repent of his sin and receive Christ. And I don't know exactly what he said, but his translator pretty much told me that he said, why not? We kind of laughed about that. But there sitting on that porch, he prayed to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. He knew his sin had taken him down the wrong road and he was ready to follow the Lord. And so in those moments, we could not see what was taking place. But somehow, some way, when Jesus died on the cross, He took their place in the same way that He took my place. And as He was buried in that borrowed tomb, they were buried. And as He was raised on the third day, they're already raised and they're seated in the heavens today. There's a resurrection that takes place. And so when the angel said unto Mary, with God nothing shall be impossible, friend, we see that Significant. We see that in salvation. Even though we cannot see it with our eyes spiritually, those things take place in the blink of an eye. Now, I want you to understand tonight, I know you know, but the work of the Lord is not simply for the pulpit, it's for the pew. Friend, we've all got to be about our Father's business. It's not just the preacher or the Sunday school teacher. It's about every individual in the body of Christ in the fields of faith doing the work of the Lord. And so notice here, the Lord appoints 70 others also and He sends them. He sends them. Friend, the Lord Jesus is sending us to Lebanon. We are planted here. This is where we live. He is sending us to this community to make a difference. He sends them two by two. You say, why two by two? Well, there are several reasons, I think. I, I can give you three, safety, support, and strength. I can give you references to those. But that's not my focus tonight. As we move forward, notice here, he speaks of the harvest. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Friend, why do we need laborers? Because of the size of the harvest. You do not know who will or who won't, but I know this much. Jesus said the harvest is great. Somebody's going to. Sooner or later, somebody will. Therefore, notice that word, therefore. Why? Because the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Whose harvest is it? It's His. It's not mine. 
It's not yours. It's not this church's. It's His harvest. It belongs to the King. It's His kingdom. He says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Now notice verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. That sounds promising. That is until you consider your defender. The one who's sending you holds the world in his hand. But notice what he says in verse number 3 there, go your way. I find that interesting, that phrase, go your way. I know not everybody will agree with what I'm going to say here. But when I see those words, go your way, the Lord has told them where they need to go. He's sending them before His face. He he knows where they're going. He's sending them there in those places where He Himself is about to go. But He says this specifically, go your way. When I see those words, the automatic thought that comes to my mind, how many of you know there's more than one way to get to Nashville? There He is, right? Now there's only one gospel. Do not mistake what I'm about to say. There's only one way to heaven. But friend, God can take you in your way, your personality. And He can reach folks that I may not be able to reach. I really believe that. He says, go your way. I want you to realize this harvest here. We've already talked about it's the Lord's. But I began to think about the harvest. There's some things that will happen if you do not get the harvest in on time. Many of you in this room, you know what it's like to work on farms in the fields. You know what it's like to work in tobacco and things of that nature. Friend, listen. There are some things that will happen if you do not get the harvest in on time. Number one, it will be devoured. The beast of the field, the birds of the air, they'll come by and they'll eat it up. They will absolutely eat it up. Not only will it be devoured, it will begin to decay. If you don't get it up in time, it'll start to rot. And what could have been beautiful and complete will only be able to be partially used. Thirdly, it will eventually die. And when it dies, it's too late. Hillcrest, the harvest in Lebanon is being devoured by the beasts on the street. Drugs and alcohol and pornography and perversion are eating up the lives of those who have not been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, because, is it because tonight, is it because some selfish saint at Hillcrest Baptist Church will not get up off the couch and go to the lost world and simply tell them of what Jesus has done for them? Is that why? Young people in our community are being infected at a rapid rate with the disease of sin. Not only are they being devoured, many are beginning to decay. Is it because that we walk by them and look at them and say they're just simply not worth it? Is it it because we look upon them and think their life is wasted? I don't know about you, but I sure am glad the Lord Jesus didn't look at me 
and say that about me. And still many more have already died. Where did they go? If they die before they've been reaped by the righteous, then they have been ruined for all of eternity. Church, it's time that we stop focusing on all the wrong things and build a kingdom focus. Build a kingdom focus. How many of you come in the house of God? Don't answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. How many of you come in the house of God today? And I know who I'm talking to, the Sunday night crowd. But how many of you come in the house of God today and complain about something that you did not like with service? How many of you took one of your complaints to our administrator or to an usher just simply because you didn't like the way something went down? Friend, we need to build a kingdom focus. What if while you were complaining, you were praying? What if, what if you just come before the Lord and you brought, your, you brought those things that were, if they burdened you so much, why don't you just bring them before God and say, God, I, I'm really bothered by this. I think we need to fix this. Instead of throwing it at someone and saying, I don't like this, do something about it. Or better yet, what if we just forgot about it altogether and just started praying for the lost in our services? What if this morning we just, we just went, as soon as we met, or even before we ever got here, we just began to pray for Brother Mike? That God would anoint him in such a way that the words that come from his mouth would have been straight from the throne of God. Church, we need to build a kingdom focus. Have we forgotten that when we give up, we lay up? Have we forgotten that when we give up, we lay up? You say, what do you mean? Listen to Matthew 19. Verse 27, Peter talking to the Lord Jesus. He says, see, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, because we've left everything, Jesus, what shall we have? Verse 28, Jesus said to them, Assuredly, He said, You can count on this, boys. I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now listen, He's talking to the twelve specifically there. But listen to what He says afterwards. 29, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Now you tell me where you're going to get that kind of deal in America. By the way, that's recorded not only in Matthew but in Mark and Luke also. Three of the four Gospels. I'm not talking about, listen, here's not, I'm not talking about being a pauper or living a life of asceticism or giving up all things that you need, trying to obtain a closer seat by Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's not what we're talking about. The focus is not on the reward. It is on the one who gives the reward. Build a kingdom focus. Matthew 6, 19 says this, 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart at tonight, church? Is it in the heavens? Paul said in Colossians 3.1, If you were raised with Christ, Seek those things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seek things above, not things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, ye shall also appear with Him in glory. Building a kingdom focus. Charles Spurgeon once said this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Where's your heart at tonight, church? Are you building a kingdom? Focus.